Zach, I know you've been heavy in the rookie film evaluation streets these last few weeks or longer. Do you have any overarching macro views on this class? And is it a good year to have an abundance of draft picks in dynasty circles? Yeah, it's the or longer uh, since I've been I've been watching since before Thanksgiving. But three thousand foot view of this class is it's really good. Uh, and and I know we say that every year, and, and every year the next class is going to be the best class. This class has multiple, at least three probably closer to four, and then depending on your flavor, maybe more, NFL-level quarterbacks with various skill sets, which doesn't happen very often. So if you're playing right. Superflex League, that's a that's a big chunk of your first round. There are multiple high-end wide receivers. So there, there are two, and I know we discussed this pre-show, but there are two wide receivers in this class that grade out top 10 for me since 2017 when I really started doing this and keeping track. Damn. The top tight end I've ever graded, Brock Bowers, is in this class. So, okay. like, he, he ended up over Laporta, over Mark Andrews. There were a couple other guys that we won't talk about. But, like, like the, <laughs> the high-end tight ends over pits. So, a, a top tight end, plus there are, like, an, at least another two or three that are really intriguing. And there are running backs. Yeah. So it's like, this is a really deep class. It's a type of class that I like to identify a couple years out right. and trade into as a rebuilder so I can rebuild on the fly. And, you know, I think you're probably a year out from running backs. Like 2025 has a few running backs, but like this yeah. class is a core class. There's a lot of guys that you can get for a number of years too. I mean, you're talking about, if you can grab a quarterback that becomes a top 12 option, he's yeah. probably going to be a top 12 option for the next decade. A wide receiver of neighbors or Harrison's ilk is going to be someone that presumably will produce for you for seven, eight years. So running back, if you have a lot of picks in this class, you could trade for a running back. Or maybe you're just waiting to hit that championship next year. Well, uh, and, and like the way you play running back, like you can scatter shot running back in this class. Like there are right, going yeah. to be players that are fantasy relevant. It's just really hard to identify who they are. And there's not, it's not like, Hey, look, there's Jonathan Taylor or Hey, look, there's Christian McCaffrey. There's not that. Right. Yeah. Scatter shot. That's the way I prefer to do it. Anyways, if I can take like three or four guys in the third round, and yeah. just hope one of them picks up a role along the way. So you heard it from Zach guys. If you've got it in a, an abundance of picks for this year's draft class. It's probably going to work out well for you. And if you don't, maybe trade for some. And with that, let's get into the show. Hello, you have reached the fantasy hotline. Ask us anything. Welcome to the Ask Us Fantasy Hotline, where we answer your questions to set you up for fantasy success. Sorry, I was still thinking about that banging intro song i'm justin edwards today we have a very special guest in zach reed mr hootenanny himself zach how is that sweet sweet atlantic weather treating you here on our our bonus february day it was like 65 yesterday it was 12 today it's beautiful <laughs> very similar over here <laughs> today we're going to be focusing in on running backs uh, we're going to touch on a few free agent running backs not a lot has changed for them since the end of the season, but there was some news that came out this past week about a lot of them. 
Uh, we're going to dig into some of Zach's rookie evaluation process and then touch on five rookie running back evaluations uh, here a couple days before the combine kicks off for our skill position players and the quarterbacks. They're all skilled, I know. Then we'll hit him with a five-by-five rapid-fire farewell, and we'll get him out of here. Does that work for you, Mr. Reed? I'm here. I'm there. Let's go. That's perfect. Let's start off hitting on these free agent running backs, if we could. Um, as I said, not a lot's changed since the end of this season, but we d- have heard this this week from uh, Adam Schefter and a number of other guys that probably none of these running backs are getting franchise tagged this year. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to leave their team, but it's probably a fair bet for most of these guys. Um, Josh Jacobs was just tagged last year. Saquon Barkley was just tagged last year. Derrick Henry was not, right? He was no. still finishing up a, a contract there. All those guys seem like they're going to be on their way out. Tony Pollard is probably on his way out. Um, Austin Eckler is 100% on his way out. And then further down the list, like I guess Devin Singletary could stick around. That's not very exciting. Uh, DeAndre Swift could stick around. Of all these guys, is there a specific one that you want to go to a specific team? Or is it just kind of like, as long as these guys end up on a decent offense, I don't really care? Well, I think this year they're going to be suitors for these guys regardless because the incoming class is is weak. Right. And so the rumor that I've heard that I like not just for Saquon but also for fantasy football for C.J. Stroud is you've heard him tied to Houston. And I know you mentioned Singletary. If we could slide Singletary out of there, I think Saquon right. is an upgrade. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a dynamic offense – with a young ascending quarterback, that's a, a place I want to have a an elite back have a piece of. And so yeah. that to me is the the real exciting. Give me give me Saquon to Houston and and I'll be happy. I think really, yeah, Saquon going there. Almost any of these guys ending up in Houston would probably increase their value on our teams or trade value or what have you. Um I think like the only kind of outlier here is maybe Derrick Henry where maybe I'd prefer him to go just to whatever the best offense is that's looking for someone wherever he can take over a goal line role if that means like Baltimore because is he going to get 250 300 touches maybe not in Baltimore but that kind of eradicates some of his negatives from his past he's caught a little more passes in the last few years but we know what he is he's a bruiser and if he could take over the goal line role like the Gus Edwards role in uh in Baltimore. I think that'd be nice. But yeah, a lot of these guys we'll just have to sit and wait for them to pop off here. Um Cowboys are a good spot if they do get rid of Pollard, but we've yeah. seen them draft these guys too. So they might be in the Jonathan Brooks sweepstake or any any of these guys, honestly. Any any of these guys that we're about to get into, actually. Yeah. I, um, I, I yeah. like that. Like the like it Derek can't like to me, the ideal spot for Henry would be the Cowboys because yeah. I think that they last season missed not having the grinder. Like you had the two years ago, Tony Pollard was super efficient, but you still had Zeke doing the getting the dirty yards in the middle. And they thought they were going to use Pollard to do that. And it didn't work out quite the way they anticipated. And so it would be that would be fun to me. To have them go right back to having the guy who could get those yards in the middle, I there aren't very many places where you're 
you're probably seeing 250 touches or carries for Derrick Henry. Yeah, that I don't think so. One of them. Not at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, no one's given him a long-term contract, so maybe if he does get a one-year deal, they'll grind him into the ground. Yeah. But I don't see, I don't think that's going to happen. Also, can we get Derrick Henry to Dallas so he can stand in the same backfield as Deuce Vaughn? Like, how <laughs> hilarious are those pictures going to be? Sticking this five-six guy next to Derrick Henry, who's seven, eight feet tall. I'm not really certain, but that that'll be fun too. Who, who says no? Um, how do you? I, before we move on. If Derrick Henry leaves Tennessee, which he presumably will, what do you think about Tajay Spears? Like, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be the third down back, but I don't know how many other options they have unless they attack it in the draft. And they have a lot more needs than just running back right now. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. It's a it's a one-year – like, again, this would be a player that I would be trading on hype because okay, at, yeah. the, at the best, I think you're getting one year – out of him and he he's a, a good little player but i don't see him as as taking over a backfield i don't see him as being a bell cow and right now everybody's got in their head that he is because right. they've already they've already like moved derrick henry on in the the zeitgeist of dynasty and right. so we're we're at a point now where you can capitalize on that psychology where people think that that uh spears is the is the guy so right yeah I'm, I'm definitely with you on that i mean speaking of guys that were probably taken in the third round of rookie drafts i think people were probably just excited about what they could get out of last year's that was last year right or was that two years ago that was last year tajay right yeah 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 so people are excited to hopefully turn their third round pick into something but i don't know <laughs> this is a lot to be desired there so yeah that's all i had on the free agent guys there's we've got months probably at least a couple more weeks until we see where some of these guys end up. Um, before we dig into the running back evaluations, I did want to pick your brain a little bit on your film evaluation process. Um, I know in our fantasy circles, a lot of guys are looking at only data or mostly data with a little bit of film, and they're probably getting the film from you. If we're being if we're being honest, we know where it comes from. Um, when did you begin your film watching process, and what spurned the idea in the first place? So I started in 2014, and it was I, I was in a dynasty league with Kyle Lebrecht, who started the dynasty dummies with me, and there were a bunch of really sharp players in that league, and I was like, I need to do something to gain an advantage, and so I started with buying the the Orange Report, which was the okay. FF Ghost, right. and the Devi Report, which was Nick Whalen, mm -hmm. and so I started with those. And I started to see kind of what they were doing and what they were looking for. And I was like, I could, I could do this. And so I started back then and kind of honed things for a couple of years before I was ready to actually give advice on rookie classes. So like for the first couple of years, it was like, this is for me. And if I mess up, it's on me. You know, if I draft Jordan Howard as the number two overall back, that that's on me and nobody right. else gets gets the, the, the fallout from that. But 2017 was when I started for consumption. And the whole idea, once I got to that point, was trying to make it accessible for people like I, like you're not going to hear me talk about coverages and you're not going to hear me talk about, you know, the gaps and that sort of thing. I am really trying to make things accessible for everyone. And then once you get your foot in, 
you know, you can take it as far as you want in terms right. of what you're looking at. So I like that. And it's also, I mean, digestible is such a good way to put it to when you do publish your, well, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting out there sometimes, but when I see snippets of your write-ups, <laughs> it is very digestible. I enjoy, I enjoy it a lot and it, it doesn't take a lot of, um, I don't want to call it dumbed down, but you don't have to be an NFL scout to understand what you're yeah. saying. Um, it, on the topic of specifically running backs, what are the criteria? I know you have like a you have like a plus minus scale, right? Yep. Yep. What are those criteria, and how did you pick those specific ones? So it's it's a lot of trial and error. So again, it was you know you start off with like five. And then yeah. you realize that you need to break categories up or you need to be looking for, for other things. So for running backs, I'm looking for vision. I'm looking for elusiveness. I'm looking for the way they cut. I'm looking for their ability to break tackles. I'm looking for their just power. So like if they can get in the middle and move a pile, if they can, if they can uh, score from the goal line when everybody knows that that's what's coming. Right. Uh, I'm looking for patience, the ability to let their block set up balance so like contact balance and balance within their movement so you know can they take a hit and keep going and also are they able to turn and and not like fall out of bounds you see that every now and then i, right. I feel like it was it was aj dylan that i i wrote up that he turned like a bathtub and, and so <laughs> and it, like you've never seen a bathtub turn but now you have in your yeah, mind now i know you in my have. head right yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking for pass catching, and that's a really important one because uh, a right. target is worth three times as much as a carry, and so uh, we're we're looking for that uh, pass blocking, which doesn't sound like it would score you fantasy points, but it does endear you to coaches and quarterbacks, right. like get you on the field. And then I'm looking for their ability to run in between the tackles and ability to get outside, and so. Out of those, those get a, a one to ten. Each of those categories get a one to ten score, okay, by half points. And then I add them all up and divide by the number of categories, and that gives me the aggregate score. So then I can see where quarterbacks stack in with running backs, stack in with wide receivers. So I can I can kind of build out a a, a, a ranking that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, I mean that's all I had really. You covered all my questions. <laughs> well, I like, got one I more. Have? I got yeah, one yeah. more. Yeah. So the other part of watching watching film and running backs are, you know, people are guilty with this. I think it's even more so with wide receivers is people watch cutups of highlights. Right. And you and and you see, I mean, Keon Coleman this year is the the guy like he's just a highlight room. Like you oh, can yeah. put on a you can put on five minutes of clips of him just going up and high pointing over a corner who he's like seven inches taller than. And it's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. But when I go watch film, I am watching eight to 16 games of every player that, that I watch. So that's, that's why I'm not watching 200 players. I don't have time. Right. <laughs> so every player that I watch, I'm watching between eight and 16 games. Uh, the, the median's probably like 11 or 12. And I'm watching from the beginning of the career. I'm watching, you know, a couple games early, a couple games in the middle, and then the bulk toward the end because I want to see uh, progression. I want to see if they have identified flaws that they had early and can mitigate them or make them strengths. It's the DK Metcalf thing. 
DK Metcalf, his first couple of years was okay. By his his third year uh, at Ole Miss, he had four different release moves off press. And I'm like, you can't guard him downfield. And if he can get off the line, that's ridiculous. And yeah. and to see a guy, yeah, to see a guy progress like that, not only is it is it neat because now he's got this move, but also for me, the NFL is not a developmental league. And so watching guys who are able to develop themselves, that to me translates to the NFL. And it's a it's a skill that you don't necessarily see unless you're watching the entirety of a guy's career. And so it that part is important for me where I'm watching the progression of an entire career to see what they do, what they do most of the time, so who they are, and then you can dream on the highlights. But if they don't, if they don't have the consistency all the way through, highlights don't matter because they are what right. they do most of the time. Yeah. And I mean, if those highlight, even if those highlight reel catches are coming once a game, if it's one of three catches, yeah. Why do we care? Why would we care in the, well, for our game, for fantasy? Like, I'm sure we, we care that they caught the ball, but we wouldn't care if we were playing them in week eight and only caught two balls. Yeah. And, and that's why I charge. Like that's why I chart plus minus because that that highlight play counts once, right? It's done. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. That's why I, I put a lot of stock or I appreciate a lot of the grading systems that people use, including you. Um, on that, like catching a touchdown is still only one catch. Like just because it gives us more points doesn't mean it's more important. I don't know. Right. Like, well, it's, it's still just a catch. Like it it is a skill, but it's also how you got there. So like the right, JJ yeah. Arcega Whiteside was like 60% of his, his receptions were touchdowns, but he, he played wide receiver like Carl Malone. Like he's just sitting there like <laughs> post up and, and that's, you can't do that in the NFL. Uh, you know, a, a player, you know, a, a player who scored like Devonte Adams was one that you watched and he's, or, or Debo Samuel where they're running when they get inside the seven, they run that little slant. Nobody can cover it. And right. to me, that's a valuable play as opposed to the you know hey hit me in the post and and i'll i'll drop step and kevin McHale you you know it's <laughs> i was not expecting the carl malone and the kevin McHale reference in this in the same segment even this uh, stick this, around we'll <laughs> give you some old and polonese and we'll just have the trifecta this this is perfect don't don't get past 1997 and we're in <laughs> we're in good shape <laughs> well that they gave you a little bit of a tidbit on zach's background his evaluation process um, clearly a lot of time goes into it. Let's hop into some of these rookie running back evaluations. Um, kind of coming off of that targets are worth three times more than, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Let's start everything off with Oregon's Bucky Irving. Um, speaking about those targets, just looking at his raw stats. I mean, you see someone with 61 targets in a single season in college football, um, doesn't matter if you've heard of the name or not. You're going to click on that person and try to dig a little deeper into what the hell's going on. Um, he caught 55 passes. He led, I think, all of college football in, in targets and receptions, um, mostly out of the backfield. It looks like he had a few routes just from what I saw, but a lot of these are dump-offs. Bo Nix also led, I believe, all of co college football, but at least this draft class and targets behind the line of scrimmage. Buck Irving got a lot of those. Um Irving's fun to watch. Um, 
he's listed 5'10, 195. He seemed a little smaller than that, but I guess we'll see in a couple of days. What did you have on Bucky? Um, what do you think about him as a prospect? So I think he is an incredibly smooth and natural receiver. And you mentioned that off the rip, which again, you love to see. He does a really good job of forcing missed tackles in space. So he's got that elusiveness piece. He's got really tremendous long speed. Uh, you know, he'll he'll dust a, a, a corner if he gets him one-on-one -on -one in space. He runs away from the defense. And he will do this thing where if he gets a, like a sweep or is running off tackle, he will strafe the line until the defender commits. And then he attacks vertically. So like he gets that commitment. He's like, now I got you. And then he's, <laughs> and then he's gone. He doesn't really have very much power. So if you're thinking he's going to come in and command an entire backfield, I, I'm, I'm a little dubious on that. I think sometimes he gets too patient on runs to the outside and he gets pushed all the way to the edge. So if that defender doesn't commit, doesn't make that mistake, he'll, he'll continue to get strung out all the way to the sideline. And when his initial hole closes, he kind of does this deer in the headlights thing where he's like, I need to figure out what I what I'm gonna do now, but he stops. And and so I, I you don't love that. To me, his profile is really going to be a pass catcher at the next level. He's probably that uh that second back in the committee that, that is getting the receptions, but he also has the ability to in a pinch you know, run the ball a little bit. He he did have, a, you know, 186 carries this past year. He had almost 1,200 yards. So, like, he's not terrible. He's he's what I would consider a pass catcher plus profile. Okay. And I like that type of player. Yeah. I mean, as, as we've been talking about, clearly receptions are so much more important than just a rush. And that's, you know, that's a full PPR league. That's a half PPR league. It's a standard league as well. Yeah. If you're, you're not – if you're catching the ball six yards down the field – you're probably going to get more yards than if you're starting four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, the, the numbers back you up to on elusiveness and especially out in the open. Um, he forced a broken or missed tackle on 34% of his runs. That was the seventh best mark in all of college football and third best if we set the qualifiers to 150 carries. And then kind of what I saw, um, I haven't watched nearly as much film as you have on him, but I do see him bouncing off guys but not necessarily in the best way yeah. like when he's hit at the line of scrimmage like there's a little bit of a getting thrown out of the club aspect to his <laughs> game where he doesn't really have that power i'm sure he can run some guys over but if he's having that issue at oregon he's probably going to have that issue yeah you know in a, six months at the nfl level but if he's just if he finds that role where he's a heavy pass catching back like i'm into it um of course Landing spot depends on, or his value depends on the landing spot a lot. Where do you see him now? Like a solid second rounder, a late second rounder. You talking for a rookie a draft? For, so I saw so I don't grade. Drafts, my bad. I don't grade for NFL. So I like I, I'm oh, yeah, I'm yeah. waiting just like everybody else for for right. what happens in the NFL draft. To me, he's probably down late second early to mid third. Um, I have him as my running back six in this class and it's a little bit weaker class. So yeah, you know, he's, he's down a ways. I actually added to the, to the show sheet. One of the guys that I think 
I would rather have than Bucky Irving, who who is a pass catcher. So we'll we'll get okay. there. But yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. So that that's Bucky. Let's let's shift over to someone who's who might be the exact opposite player. <laughs> um, let's go to Wisconsin. Um, Braylon Allen, gigantic back. Uh, he was on. Oh, who does the freak list? Well, he was on college football's freak list for two seasons. What is that guy's name? It's okay. Braylon Allen is strong and tall and thick. <laughs> Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman, yes. I I'm got like, Sal in the chat helping me out. Oh, let's go. There we go. <laughs> I'm like, dang, who, who am I thinking of? Yeah, Braylon Allen, big giant dude. Um, you know, every big running back coming out of college is going to get compared to Derrick Henry. That's probably jumping the shark a little bit here. But he is a big guy, and if he's going to win, it would be – and that Derrick Henry kind of role. Um, what do you have on Braylon? What do you think about his prospects as an NFL running back? I mean, if you're looking for the prototypical size running back, it's Braylon out. I mean, 6'2", 238. Like, here we go. Right. He has tremendous patience, and he lets his line set up blocks. And look, like Wisconsin's offensive line is always awesome. Like, it's hard sometimes to gauge what a runner is doing and what the offensive line is doing but he lets the offensive line do their thing before he hits the hole. I don't think he seeks out contact, but he will deliver punishment. And I, there's a distinction for me, and it's a very important distinction because of John Kelly. So okay. I love John <laughs> Kelly coming out of Tennessee. Loved him. And yeah. he would just he would line up a, a linebacker and be like, I'm going to end you. And he would do that <laughs> on every play. He would look for contact. And he got to the NFL, and turns out, Every linebacker in the NFL is an NFL caliber linebacker. It's weird. <laughs> Very strong. And, yeah. And so <laughs> seeking out contact with those players is not a great way to play. Braylon Allen, we, like he's big enough. He's strong enough. He will deliver punishment if he has to, but he's not going out of his way to hit people. And so that's a positive for me. I think he's also adept enough to be used as a pass catcher. He, he's good enough in screens and as a safety valve. He did have 28 receptions. So I have a I have a little like mental check mark in the back of my head. I like to see a player with 20 receptions in a season at some point in college because 89% uh, of the running backs who have more than a, I think it was 40 yard, uh, 40 reception season in, in the pros. 89% of them had a 20 reception season in college. Okay. Now it's that's not like a that's not like a hard and fast number. That's more sure. just like a check the box. Right. But like to me, that's a it's it's not necessarily causal, you know, correlation, but it's a it's a check mark. And and he does that. He's not gonna be like a 50 catch guy, right. but he's good enough to to get dump offs. Think like Leonard Fournette, that sort of sure. thing. Like he could do that. Uh He's not going to run away, but he can run a long way. So he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's got like break almost speed, and yeah. and that's bend, that's bend nice. away. Yeah, it's it's a nice <laughs> it nice with a big back. I think sometimes his patience turns into hesitancy, which is not great, especially for a guy that big. Start right. stop is not really his his best feature. He's susceptible to being tackled low. So he gets a little bit out over his feet. And if he doesn't have a completely clean hole, that gets a little dicey. Sometimes he fails to beat that initial defender. 
because again, he's not twitchy. He's not gonna he's not gonna make you miss with that real quick cut, and he's not fast enough to get to the outside. So like he can run off tackle, but he can't run like off off tackle, and so he's gonna kind of be contained to the middle of the field. Yeah. But again, not a nice back. He's he's a top five running back for me in this class. I love it. Yeah, not a, not a lot of stretch runs coming from Braylon Allen <laughs> in, in nope. the future. Um, probably t- to hit on maybe a little bit of the hesit- hesitancy and his patience behind his offensive line. Um, I went and looked at his inside and outside zone rushes from just this past year. Um, they switched schemes up a little bit over his three-year career. So this past season, he ran way more gap and man. And in 2023, he got... Uh, he averaged four and a half yards per carry in inside and outside zone. And then on the flip side, in the main gap or man runs of lead, power, duo, wham, he averaged 7.1 yards per carry. So you get him behind an offensive lineman and yeah. people are trying to arm tackle him. He's probably not going down too often. Um, yeah, Bra- I, I like that call too, the top five guy. I, I really liked him here in my very early rookie rankings when i'm just kind of getting getting a solid foundation of it i had him at four i think three or four yep that's, that's probably I him at four it might be a little high but we'll see probably behind at least at least one other person we're talking about today and maybe two i don't know i guess we'll find I, out i i feel like the guys who do the numbers are really gonna like Braylon out like he started off early he had the you know almost 1300 yard season as a freshman like He's been good for he was a 17. Long yeah, he's been good for a long time. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's another thing with Braylon Allen is he's got three full seasons at Wisconsin. He turned 20 a month ago. So he'll be 20.2 at the NFL draft or whatever, which is also interesting. And nerd, nerds like that kind of stuff too, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the breakout age nerds. <laughs> we love it. Um, let's switch to, or let's throw it over to one of your guys here. Um, who is someone you maybe like more the consensus or like less the consensus or don't I like mean, at all? Probably both of these players I like okay. more than consensus. Uh, so let's let's start off. We already I already alluded to to Ray Davis, Raymond Davis out of Kentucky. Started off at Temple, transferred to Vanderbilt, ended up at Kentucky this past year. Uh, almost 200 carries, 1,129 yards, 14 touchdowns. 33 receptions for over 300 yards and another seven touchdowns. So already you can see there's that pass catching. He's 5'9", 215, real compact player. He can be split out wide. He can run routes from a wide receiver position, which is not something you can say about every running back. He is very compact. He gets real good low pad level, gets leverage. He can move piles at five nine because he's 215 pounds because he got that that real good squat leverage and Mm -hmm. uh and so that's an interesting piece of his game i think he is an incredibly versatile receiver like do you remember a couple years ago um when oh yep I'll, i'll come up with it and i didn't write it down um philadelphia drafted uh, the the pass catching running back, mm. uh, Gainwell. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, okay. so with Philadelphia yeah. drafted Gainwell. Sure. Like, I watch Gainwell, and I'm like, man, he can do some things on the outside. 
He you can run a wheel route with him. You can split him out wide. Ray Davis is doing. He's like Kenny Gain better. Like he's, <laughs> he's, Kenny Gain good. Yeah, like he's doing everything that Kenny Gainwell did, but he's also a running back, which Gainwell was mostly a mostly a receiver. So right. like that to me is is really fun when you can get a guy split up wide. He can run a slant. You can run him out of the backfield on a wheel route, and he's like hands catching 40 yards down the field and then taking it to the house because he just like ball tracks and, and goes. Yeah. Davis can do that. And he runs with very good patience. And then he's got the burst. So he hits that second level acceleration really well. He's terrible as a pass blocker though. He is just hot garbage <laughs> as a pass blocker. He like, he either bails, he's like Ole, or he's like, well, I'm going to throw myself at your feet. And I hope that your shoelaces get tangled up. And you would you, think he had good leverage being so low to the ground, but well, he, I guess not. He is, but he, he just doesn't have that technique. Uh, he does get caught trying to make decisions inside. So he like hesitate and be like, I'm going to go this way. And by that time he's already smoked. Uh, his long speed, I think is a little questionable. Like I don't, okay. I don't think he's got that like top end speed. He gets caught from behind a lot, but he does have that that burst, that acceleration that gets him up to his top speed quick. So he gets behind the defense before they come get him. It, it's kind of like me now playing men's league basketball. I, I hurt my knee. I got that real good crossover. I can get by you, but I got to do but it like five times. Catch up. Yeah, you're yeah. back in front. <laughs> uh, and, and he is – the other thing I noticed – that I don't like at all is he's really slow to the mesh point, the, the handoff with okay. the quarterback. And, and so sometimes if you get a real good edge rusher, which unfortunately that's the new thing in the NFL, like we're going edge rushers and we're, we're coming in hard and, and, and pinching that with, with speed and power. He's slow to that, that mesh point. And so that sometimes gets him in trouble, but oh man, there's so much I like about him. I, he, I have him, uh, as again, as a top five, I think he is my fifth. okay, so number five. Yep, okay, that's nice. I feel I'm trying to look up his um mock draft database because I feel like he's been jumping up recently as well. He should be, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like more people are coming around on. Well, I'm not looking at it right now, it's fine. I lied, he's third. Oh, he's he's third. Welcome to the show. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> I love it. Ray Davis, RB3 for Zach. That's the one. He can't come off it no matter where he goes. <laughs> Unless Doesn't I get new information. Because, because if you can't be Bayesian, what are you doing? <laughs> I feel it. Uh, yeah. I mean, so he hit that threshold or your, not your set, your dead fast threshold, but your mostly steadfast threshold of 20 catches. He had Twice. 35 targets the, the year prior as well. Um, he's been a goal line back at times. Back as a freshman at Temple, and then last year he scored 14 more rushing touchdowns. Zach's RB3. I'm into it. I don't think I was that high into him, which means that I'm going to have to go look into him more. The only downside, or one of the only downsides, of his profile is he's going to be 25 in November. So like halfway through your season, you got an old running back. It, it's right. kind of the Najee Harris thing where people were like, oh, I don't really want... So... But in a class where there aren't very many running backs, I'll take two or three seasons of a of a really good running back with pass catching upside. 
Right. Give me give me Grandpa Davis catching <laughs> forty five balls. I mean, he's no Michael doc, Dr. Michael Penix, who's who was in, in college <laughs> six years, but hey, a lot of people go to college for eight years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> they're called doctors. There there is Ray Davis. I I love that you're that high on him. I thought I was pretty high on him, and I'm not nearly that high. So I'm gonna look more into Ray Davis. Um, who do we got left here? Um, let's dig into Trey Benson, someone who I'm probably too high on, honestly. Um, just in these initial rankings, Trey Benson's my RB1. That seems I don't know if anyone else is doing that. I mean, Brooks' leg hurts, you know, maybe it still hurts deep into the season. Maybe he comes back right now. Trey Benson is my RB1, it's based almost entirely on that home run ability, which is his calling card. Um, is that he can get into the second level and run really fast for a touchdown, which I <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, if you're gonna back. do something as a running back, yeah, real fast for a touchdown is a is a good thing to do. I would that's like bullet point number one. Can you run really fast for a touchdown? I'm just I'm playing straight ball with these rankings. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm adding that to my plus minus. <laughs> just get I just need Braylon Allen and Trey Benson in my backfield and don't ever take them off the field. No one will know what's going on. Um, he was a two-year starter at Florida State, showed that consistent breakaway ability. Um, per the numbers, he gained 54% of his rushing yards on carries that went 15-plus yards. So his breakaway percentage was huge. Uh, it was the fourth-highest mark among this draft class. Um, I mean, pretty good pass protection by the numbers. He gave up two pressures last year and 42 opportunities, and then three and 33 opportunities the year before. Did you see that breakaway ability on film? What do you think of him as a prospective pass catcher in the NFL? So absolutely saw the breakaway run ability. I, I think that he is at his best when he's utilizing his speed in the open field. Like that's that's what you want to do. You want to get him in space. You want to you want to get him on the outside and and let him go. It's really interesting. I don't know how far you've dug into Benson, but in 2020, he was at Oregon. In the last preseason game, he tore every cruciate ligament that you have. Like he did ACL, MCL, LCL. He did part of a hamstring as well. Like it was not very good. Stepped on a landmine. Yeah, basically. And they had to completely rebuild his knee. He He got six carries in the next season and then transferred to Florida State, where he was pretty good, albeit in a committee. Um, but great contact balance when he's up to speed, which is really fun. When you see a guy who who has the jets that Benson has, but can also take contact when he's up to speed, that's fun. Like, yeah. It just it just is like ping pong, like let's go. <laughs> and and so um, that that again is a, a great trait. I think he utilizes angles in the open field really well. So, like, if you're that fast, but you're also getting the angle on a defender, they're never going to catch you. And so he's very good at that. And his cuts inside are good, but they're not sudden. He okay. kind of slaloms. And it it's interesting. It's he's Again, he's not breaking ankles. It's not the Iverson crossover. There's another... 90s basketball go. player I for you. It. I'm bringing it back. Uh, <laughs> but but he does, he does, it's effective. Like it's it's rounded but effective. 
Okay. He does get hesitant if the designed hole closes and like he's not a he's not an off script runner. And part I of that is a bit of that as well. It, part of that's because he's not that lateral agility player. Like he's he's not teleporting. You know, he's he's turning. Uh and also I think for a bigger back, he doesn't have much like straight on power. Like he's good at taking contact, but he's not running through players. He's okay. not running over guys. He's not pushing a pile. Again, this has to do with that that lateral quickness and agility, but he struggles to avoid the initial defender an awful lot. So if a guy gets penetration, he's in some trouble. Uh, and sometimes he slows into contact, which if you're the fastest man on the field, don't slow down. Just right. keep going. And and so that it ends up negating his best asset some but again, they're like oh, that speed, that ability in the open field. He's my running back too. Okay, there we go. All right, that f- that fills in one gap. Yeah. yeah, you would think a guy who's so quick and he's two twenty, two twenty five, that he's going to run into someone and move the pile or move him at least. Yeah. Um. So that's a that's a little odd. Maybe that's something he can work on. I don't know. Actually, it's a little it's a little late for that. I mean, yeah, you're you're kind of at a point where you 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 are what you well, and that's again right. that's that's part of watching these guys is the the NFL is not drafting you to be something else, right? Like at this point, they're like, this is what you do, this is what we need. Perfect. You do, do it, it over we need here. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Do do it in this stadium. Yeah. <laughs> so RB two, um, yeah. So we got your RB two, your RB three, your RB five. Yep. Your RB six. Where does Michigan's Blake Corum fit into this? He's number one. Ooh. And I, that's and I, I'm going to take so much flack for that because there's been so much Corum hate lately. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so bad. Like I I I graded Corum. I put him at the top of my rankings because that's where his grade came out, and then like. Two days later, I saw Ryan McDowell just be like, nah, Corm's terrible. And I'm like, you cut me so deep. He, he said that on this very podcast. Yes, no, I, I know. I know. <laughs> that's what, like, and I'm like, man. So so that's why I, like, I added Corum to the show sheet so I could have a rebuttal. It's, yeah, you know, you the, the, back. the defense, right. the, the defense has closing remarks. Like, <laughs> Blake Corum, man, he has such tremendous vision inside and off tackle like he is sliding to holes you talk about you know i said trey benson can't can't teleport blake corum blake corum can teleport he does like he'll be like all right i'm i'm in this gap no it's closed but there's a hole over here now i'm over here and and gone it's like the you you ever see the the gif of of uh, Christian McCaffrey where they actually like make him teleport? It, it that literally happens with <laughs> that's with actually Corum. happening. <laughs> yeah, he can win in short yardage situations, which is interesting for a five eight two hundred pound guy. But he's not pushing the pile. He makes really good decisions, and and he figures out where he needs to be and will get low, get leverage, and and get those yards. He's very good. At gaining leverage, he blocks. Again, 5'8", 200 pounds. This guy squares up blocks. He blocks low to high in blitz pickup. 
identifies the blitzer and then stands up the defender. So it's not just a like I'm in the way, it's actually blocking. I I love that and NFL coaches will love that and so will his quarterback. Like if you're not taking a right. blindside hit from from a blitzer because your running back picked it up, you're happy about that. And right. I also think he's really bursty to the line of scrimmage. So he's not necessarily like the fastest long speed guy. Right. But when the hole opens up, he's through it. And so yeah. there's six yards. Uh, I do think he struggles to beat that initial defender once he gets past the hole. So like when he's okay. at second level, he's not necessarily adding, you know, that extra five or 10 unless it's there. He's not making right. guys miss very often in the second level. I don't think he's got a lot of power. So he's not he's not moving piles. He's not getting yardage that's not blocked. And I don't think he's got that home run speed. I don't think he's going to get outside consistently. I don't think he's going to break like 70-yard runs. But again, fast enough. His vision is so good. And he's quick enough with the vision and that burst that I, I watch him and it's the lesson that Kyron Williams taught me. So I had Kyron Williams graded at running back two, I think, in that class, or maybe three. Okay. So he was he was up there in that class. That worked out well. And well, it it did, but it didn't. So what happened was I graded him highly. I was like, I'm gonna draft him. And then the combine happened, and everyone was like, Oh, he's slow. He ran a four six. And then the draft happened, and they were like, Nah, he's not a you know, he's not a top three round running back. He's he's pushed down. And I was like, maybe I don't really want him. So I, like I took him a couple times in the third round, but there were a couple times I passed on him. And now I'm like not doing that anymore. Right. Like, my, just my up every time. Yeah. Like my initial evaluations on running backs because of the way the NFL has shifted. And because we're now in like it peaks and valleys. So like you have bell cows and then you have this kind of trough where you get into committee backs. We're in that trough. From 2017, where you had that huge class where you had all the bell cows, and then you're you're in that trough, and I we're headed back up, but we're still down there. Like I am going to stick with running back evaluations and and add those players where I can. And Corum is top of the list for me this year. There's also probably something to be said about a guy who's, you know, maybe this is overstated or maybe this is cliche, but a guy who's going to do exactly what the play is calling for like yeah maybe i mean everyone wants to score a touchdown on every play that'd be fantastic but if you need six yards and this guy's getting you six yards instead of nine or losing two that there's something to be said about that someone's going to like that that profile yeah. of someone who can just get the job done um just numbers backing up maybe the the lack of long speed he did have one of the lowest breakaway percentages yeah. in this draft class but that's not what he does that's not what he's built for and like just from a raw number standpoint, he did have 2.42 yards created after contact per attempt, which is also one of the lowest um, in the class. But he scored 27 rushing touchdowns. So, like, yeah. how many <laughs> how many extra yards are you going to get when you're in already in the end zone? So that's kind of that might be a little overstated. Just like nit nitpicking them. Uh, hard, hard to steal bases when you hit home runs, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Hard to dunk when you hit three pointers, Glenn Rice. I don't know. I was trying to <laughs> trying to go back to the nineties NBA. So the RB one did did we 
encompass your whole we didn't encompass your top five who are we missing who who are your top five if you don't mind so yeah, my top back. yep so my top five running backs are Corum at one and benson at two and okay. then there's like a yeah of a tear break ray davis braylon allen and jonathan brooks at five even okay. with the injury because to me jonathan brooks has the the, the biggest ceiling like he could sure. be the best back in this in this class. Like he, right. he really like he he does everything really well, and the and the separation between Davis, Braylon Allen, and Jonathan Brooks is nothing, and the even the separation between those three and the top two is is not a lot for me. A, a, a normal class, I would have, you know, a, a back or two that are at least a back or two that are highly rated that I'm like, yeah. Right. This is, you know, set it and forget it. Lock Let's it go. In. Right. But like even Corum as my one, I don't necessarily think that he gets drafted to to start necessarily this year. Like it, it, that okay. may not be a thing. Like there aren't any backs that you're like, yep, they have to draft them to start. The the best I think you're looking for is they get drafted in a committee and they do well and and either add touches that way. Or the running back that's in the backfield with him gets an all expenses paid trip to Cancun and he goes off, you know, for half the season. And, and so all of a sudden you've got touches, something yeah. like that. It, Brooks is coming in with, could be coming in with some fresh legs, you know, extended vacation. Yeah. Um, hasn't played since November, well, played behind Bijan for a couple of years. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the thing with Brooks is the way I play running backs. If I'm drafting a running back in a rookie draft, I, I want, production i want i want to be able to either have them play and me get the points or have them play and trade them to get an asset that i want right brooks is not that like you're probably he's probably redshirting this year and right yeah that's what i was gonna say there's no guarantee yeah. that he only sits out four weeks he yeah could miss way more time than that yeah it happened so. in november you know it's only been a few months since yeah that's, yeah it's why brooks tore out tore his entire leg off you know <laughs> So there you are, everybody. Touching on some some rookie running back evaluations. Um, most of the top six of Zach's, and then you know a little a little bonus Brooks talk. It it does still kind of boggle me. I guess before we move on, <laughs> that these mock drafts are very very certain that Jonathan Brooks will be the first running back off the board, and I think teams like immediate production too. So I don't. I mean I don't know. I'm not exactly a draft Nick. I'm not going to tell you where he should go, but the the certainty that he's going to be the first running back off the board seems a little far fetched, and, and it's like it's also a little while. Like he, he was awesome in this past year. I think he was like I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but it was like seven or eight out of ten games that he had a hundred yards. Like he was really good this year, right? That that but, uh, that stretch of eight games, like yeah, from like week three until he injured himself, he was he went wild. Yeah, yeah. he was phenomenal, but. Again, the the injury, the like, and I'm I, I'm not a draft guy either. I like I said, I'm sitting here waited with with bated breath for the end of April, just right. like everybody else, so I can see draft capital. You know, I'm, I'm at the portion of my program where I can like look at the the metrics analyst, so I can go and listen to like JJ Zacharyson or mm -hmm. Peter Howard. Peter Howard's right. my guy. Peter's yeah. my guy with his database, and he's he's really good at. Don't tell him I said that. 
He's really good at this. No, no, no. I try to keep him, you know, this will down. not go, this yeah. will not go back to him. And and David Wilsey with running back. So like once I watch my film, I can then go listen to the guys who do the metrics because they can scrape 250 guys worth of data. Right. And yeah. and put it in a spreadsheet and it pops out. And so they can see players that I haven't watched. So I, I know I need to go back and watch players. They can see sometimes they see different things than I do. And I'm like, oh, I need to go back and see if I if I miss something. Right. And sometimes I go back and watch and I'm like, no, you guys, your numbers are mm. lying. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a nice time of year for me where like I've I've got most of my most of my evaluation in the bag except for going back and and checking up on some some guys that I may have missed because I'm I'm line fishing like I get like one pole in the water at a time and and they're trolling or, or trawling they got like the the net the gill nets and you know they just <laughs> yeah. they're just hauling out everything dragging it behind the boat that's the one <laughs> Peter Howard catches right whales you know he does. <laughs> Well, there is the mostly top six of Zach's rookie evaluations. Um, you can catch many more of that on the Dynasty Dummies Hootenanny over the next couple of weeks, I believe. You're still wrapping up wide receivers. So next week, running back start. Yeah? Yeah. Perfect. Before we get you out of here, I want to run or we want to run through the 5x5 five five rapid fire farewell. You ready for this? Train. Zach, who's one dynasty player you're trading for everywhere or trying to trade for everywhere? So the one I'm really bad with rules is Devontae Smith and Tucker okay. Craft. <laughs> okay. That counts. Yeah. Who is a top late round rookie prospect you love? I don't know if he's gonna go late round. Tez Walker. Like okay. I love Devontae Walker. If not, like Isaiah Davis, the South Dakota State running back, like I, I enjoy him too. So I don't even know who Isaiah Davis hey, is. I, now you know. <laughs> Very late round. I can't wait to look him up though. <laughs> who is a roster clogger you need to get off of your rosters as we wait to get some new guys on our rosters? All of them. It's all those receivers that you want to be good. Yeah. But they're not. So like, I, I mean, Just, McCall Hartman... Kadarius Tony, even before he did his thing, David Bell, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. It's, Those it's, guys. You're you're hoping. Stop hoping. Like yeah. stop. Stop. There's no no one waits four years to break out anymore. It doesn't. No. Happen. No. Um. Who? It, well, I, we already know this, but who is the current dynasty? Oh, we don't know this. Who is the current dynasty RB one? Not rookie RB one. I, I think myself it's I, I still think it's okay. Like, there's an argument for Gibbs. There's an argument for Brees Hall. I think there's still an argument for CMC. Yeah, but uh, it's Bijan. Oh, it's Bijan. I'm here. I'm here for it. I've got Bijan at the 104 and redraft rankings right now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on him. I think have you he, heard Art Smith is gone? Yeah, oh. have you? <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> and we'll we'll end on maybe a negative note, or you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Which rookie screams dynasty fantasy bust? So we talked about him this past week on the Dynasty. He's a wide receiver. He's very tall. He's Keon Coleman. I like I see people pushing him up. And and I, I posted my rankings on Twitter today. And I said it last week. I was like, I'm gonna do this. And Keon Coleman's not in my top 12. And I'm gonna take so much flack. I right. probably got 
between DMs and and just like people responding, I probably got like fifty messages. <laughs> what? Did you just forget Keon Coleman? Coleman? Like, no. Here's my Keon Coleman write up. Like, I didn't forget him. He's he's tall. He like highlight film, but that's it. I mean, yeah. It, he's no Dominique. You know, no Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> the the human highlight film. Dominique next to um. I went back oh, to 80s. Mat- Mat- Matumbo. I'm <laughs> thinking of I'm, I'm thinking of uh Keon Coleman standing next to Johnny Wilson. Oh yeah. In the same uniforms. I'm like, what that Keon Coleman's tall. Who the hell's that guy? <laughs> and then, that and then seven they, foot tall. And then they had Jaheim Bell at tight end. Like it's like what, what are we, we just doing? Th- just throw it up. Yeah. Zach, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, can't wait to see you this summer, and I'm sure we'll hopefully talk before august anything you want to get off your chest before we had our had our had our separate ways this evening uh it kind of ties into that uh fantasycares.org everybody like and and it's it's not my organization but it's my organization fantasycares.org i i it's my favorite part of the community donate consider making charity part of your league uh it doesn't have to be donated to fantasy cares like there are a ton of tremendous charities but right. Fantasy Cares also supports, uh, you know, Toys for Tots and JDRF, and and the list just goes on and on and on. And it's all because we have disposable income, and there are a lot of really great people that that like to like to donate in in the community. So that's right. that's what I got. Hey, I love that. Um, if you haven't already out there in the world, make sure you're following Zach on Twitter or X at Tacit Assassin Thirteen, where I'm sure. The fantasy cares is probably in your bio. So if you didn't catch what he was saying, just go to Twitter. It, it is on Twitter. Just DM me. I'll I'll put you in the yeah right yeah spot. yeah exactly. Go <laughs> go DM at Tacit Assassin thirteen. What are you doing can... with Keon Coleman? Oh. <laughs> right right right. Do both. Look into <laughs> fantasy cares and give him crap about Keon Coleman at the same time. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Um, continue to absorb all the content over with the Dynasty Dummies. The rookie Hoot Nanny is starting. Right now, more or less, it's an hour two and weeks a half, in. Yeah. yeah, in an hour and a, in an hour and a half, he's doing the third episode of Let's the run it back. Hoot Nanny. Yeah, just don't even just stay on YouTube for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> search it. Go up to that search bar, type in Dynasty Dummies, you just and then just tell your significant other Justin said it was okay. You'll be fine. right. Exactly. Blame it. Blame it on that red guy you saw on YouTube earlier. <laughs> uh, if you've enjoyed our conversation, please consider liking and subscribing to our channel as well as the Dynasty Dummies for more fantasy content. You can find us on all of social media platforms at Ask Us FF. And we do have an Ask Us Fantasy Football newsletter. You can find that information in the description of this YouTube video. Everybody, have a great night.